0: I watched the presentation, Dealing with Challenging Behaviors, with Agila West, APA. Approximately one in every 59 children are born with autism. Albert Einstein. Dr. Einstein had no speech until age three. Steve Jobs, he was a loner. He brought snakes to school. Leonardo da Vinci. This man was far advanced on the autism spectrum. I'm not naughty. I'm autistic and I just get too much information. This is Lloyd am, and you're listening to Take Watanga, Love Not Cure, exploring autism one strength at a time. Autism Speaks describe Applied Behavioral Analysis as a therapy that is based on science of learning and behavior. Understanding a person's behavior can help in setting up the right goal for a child on the autism spectrum. Applied Behavior Analysis, or ABA, focuses more on increasing behaviors that support kids in daily living activities while reducing harmful behaviors. Angela recommends seek early intervention if you think that your child needs support to progress in learning. Early intervention is necessary to receive optimal results so seek expert's advice as soon as possible. ABA has gained popularity because of its effectiveness when applied. The work is repeatable and by the repeatable means, this can potentially become a skill of a child in everyday living. Here's an example, let's say you have a teenage autistic child who does not want to brush his or her teeth regularly. Before ABA can be applied, make sure that the child can do a step by step procedure to brush his or her teeth. The child must have the skills to do so, so you can reinforce this activity even further. If the child doesn't have the skills to do this yet, you can write very minute steps that the child can follow. If the child is nonverbal, you can use pictures as a guide. Since the child is just starting, do not force the child to do twice a day brushing. You can start small, like brushing three times a week, and then increase the frequency. Reinforce this activity through rewards. If there's a meltdown every time you ask the child to brush the teeth, Angela suggests that you should remain calm during a meltdown. Step back from the situation and start asking yourself these three questions. What happened before the meltdown? What's the response of the people around? What's the goal of my child in this situation? Number one, if you ask the question, what happened before the meltdown? Your brain will position you as an observer of the event and not as a part of the event. If you are an observer of the event, you are more likely to think clearly about finding a solution to the problem. Because if you are part of the problem, you are going to be in a fight or flight mode. Fight or flight mode will prevent you from seeing things objectively and stop you from looking for a better way to handle the situation. If you have positioned yourself as an observer to the event, it will be easier for you to find the root cause of the problem and address it. Remember that a child's behavior is a way of communication and if there's something requiring your attention, a child will express themselves. You will also be able to assess if the child is having a tantrum or a meltdown. A tantrum is a behavior where a child has a purpose, like having that extra cookie or staying up late at night. While a meltdown is a result of an overload in sensory perception, like being in a crowded place or there's too much noise around the area. If you know what happened before the meltdown, you can work on addressing the root cause of the problem or the meltdown. But what if a meltdown is happening every time you're asking the child to brush the teeth? Start taking notes of what is triggering your child's meltdowns. Does the meltdown happen at a specific time of the day? What's the taste of the toothpaste like? How about the toothbrush? Is it too hard instead of soft? By knowing the triggers of the meltdown, you can formulate strategies to manage the triggers, maybe buy an alternative toothpaste that is right for the child, or change the toothbrush. Number two, ask the question, what is the response of the people around When the meltdown happened, if a meltdown happened, what was the reaction of the people around you? Did they panic? Did they scream? When this happens, you can move the child away from the people around, or you can also divert the child's attention to his or her favorite toy, or even let the child watch his or her favorite video for the time being. If you are in a place where you know the people around you, Give them a heads up about the possibility of a meltdown. Let them know not to react if a meltdown or a tantrum happens. In this case, a child will not get validation that in order to get what they want, the child will need to to exhibit a tantrum. Note that a tantrum may also lead to a meltdown. The third question to ask is, what is the goal of my child in this situation? Is the child seeking attention or is there something serious happening? Never negotiate to a child during a tantrum or a meltdown. The child will not receive complex information and you have to wait for an opportunity to get the child engaged again. By knowing the goal of the child during a tantrum or a meltdown, you can assess the situation if the behavior change is something serious or not. Another example. Imagine you are walking with your child at the park and suddenly the child started to cry. You try to comfort the child, but to your surprise, the crying has led to a meltdown. You've tried all known possible strategies at hand, but still nothing works. And because of that, you panic, and you just decided to leave the park with a stressed child. Position yourself as an observer to the event to handle the situation and address what is causing the problem. Remember that a child's behavior is a way of communication. If there's something requiring your attention, it could be a tantrum or a meltdown. You will be able to uh, address the situation. So instead of running back to the car when your child is melting down, you can step back and identify what's happening before the meltdown. If a tantrum or a meltdown is happening every time you're at the park, start listing down what happened before that meltdown or the tantrum. Does the meltdown happen every time you are in the specific area of the park? Is it too crowded or is it too noisy? By knowing what triggered the meltdown, you can formulate strategies to manage the triggers. Maybe you can go to the park when it's not crowded, or maybe you can move away from the noisy environment. Applied behavioral analysis encourages parents to participate during therapy. It is important to know the goals of both parents and child. This will help develop a meaningful plan to support the child. There are no quick fixes like any other therapy. Parents may not quickly see good results. This therapy also introduces reinforcing activities to support the child, like giving overly enthusiastic praise to a child when they do amazing things. If praises is not valuable to a child, you can reinforce positive praise by answering and giving attention to the child every time he or she asks questions. Angela said, This journey, like any other journey, is a hard road for everybody, so parents will need to be patient when applying ABA. Seek help from as many people as possible and find your support network. In the end, to manage a meltdown, you need to know what has triggered this meltdown or behavior. Know what are the reactions of the people around and ask question, what is my child trying to achieve? Every tanata fight, takiwatanga is different. If you fail with one strategy, don't stop. Keep moving forward. Always remember, that for every failure you encounter is one step closer to your success. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, Memuto te fakawa Let's stop judging others. Memahi tahi Let's all work together. Kia kaha, kia maia. Stay strong, be brave.